0: Hey everyone, welcome again to the Batass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show podcast. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me is. Sean Murphy, your very willing co host. <laughs> <laughs> Did that sound dirty? Uh, no, no. I mean, at least everybody knows you're not doing this against your will, so that's always a plus. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and we're yeah. here to talk about Batman the Animated Series. We're going to do, uh, we're going a little bit out of order today, so we uh, don't have to split up the Two Face two parter. So today we're right. going to do Be a Clown and It's Never Too Late. And uh, yeah. let's jump in with Be a Clown. be a clown, Mayor Hamilton Hill's miserable son Jordan becomes even sadder when his father uses his birthday party as a political gathering rather than a normal celebration and ends up stowing away in the truck of the party clown hired by Hill for the party, whom he doesn't know is actually the Joker in disguise. It is now up to Batman, whom Mayor Hill distrusts, to rescue the boy before it's too late. It was written by Ted Peterson and Steve Hayes and directed by Frank Power. Um... Mm. This one is fine. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I liked it. I uh, I, uh, I thought it was one of the stronger Joker episodes, especially because I think Joker has kind of a rough start yeah. in the series. Yeah. Um, but I, I always respect this episode because it, I think it, the, the better episodes, in my opinion, have Batman as a secondary character, mm-hmm. you know, and the main character is someone else in Gotham, in this case the mayor's son, and the mayor and Joker, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was a really ballsy decision to sort of do an episode like this, where it's not a splashy idea, you wouldn't think, you know? Um, right, right. You get some great comedic moments with uh, Bruce Wayne when he he uh, carefully
0: throws the birthday cake with the dynamite or whatever into the pool, oh, yeah. looking like an idiot. Yeah, Whoops! <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, that's one of my favorite things. I love when Bruce Wayne... Uh, passes off being an idiot to cover up doing yeah. cool Batman stuff um, yeah. I can't remember if we've mentioned this before somewhere but uh, like yeah. that scene in Dark Knight where he crashes his car to save that dude from getting killed and then he's like what are you talking about I don't know what's going on and then he like winks at the right, dude that right. stuff is great
1: yeah, yeah. Or in the scene where in Dark Knight, where uh, he's acting like an asshole at the party, and uh, then he goes out in the balcony and tosses the champagne because he doesn't yep. drink, and he's just like, fuck this, performance is over. Uh, yeah, I always kind of thought that it was interesting how he could switch like that. Um, although, I, I sort of liked season four of this cartoon where Bruce Wayne's persona was very similar to Batman, mm. he was wearing a black. Suit with a red power tie, and he didn't change his voice so much. You know, he didn't act like a dope like uh, Clark
0: Kent. Right. Yeah. It's it's an interesting. I guess it's an interesting decision you have to make when you're handling them is whether or not you know how how much of a, a pendulum swing is there between Bruce Wayne and Batman. You know. Right. Um, yeah. I've al- I always loved the the way that they do it here, and you know the the things that you mentioned in, in uh, Dark Knight and uh, I can't remember if that's Dark Knight or B- Batman Begins, but um, yeah because it, you know, it, it it shows you how much he's playing at this persona. Uh, and I think some of the earlier episodes of this cartoon could have benefited from that a little bit more, um, because yeah. Bruce yeah. Wayne is so dopey. Um, yeah. To have a little bit of more insight or uh, uh, evidence that he's jokingly dopey would be fun. But I mean I it's totally fine. But I, I, I just right, love it yeah. when they add these yeah. little these little details.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, just a quick side note. So that noise in the background, I'm sure you can hear, is one of my contractors grabbing a power saw and doing something. <laughs> he came in earlier, he's like, can I work on the Switch while you're doing that? I'm like, no, go away for an hour. And he grabs the loudest tool possible, and now he's somewhere in the house, so I apologize.
0: <laughs> hey, bring him in. Maybe he's got some, some hot takes on Batman. He,
1: he doesn't, trust me. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, this one, I, I think this is probably... Yeah, probably the first Joker one that that's really kind of been satisfying. Um, yeah, I yeah. personally wish that it had they had done a little bit more um, with the storyline with the the son and the father. Um, right. Yeah, it is quick. Yeah, it does. Kind of. It is kind of just like a or you know. I, I guess my problem with it is, I wish the kid learned some sort of lesson <laughs> about running away or something. Uh, yeah, you know that's he, a good point. He, he 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 uh skips out on his birthday party because his dad, you know, he doesn't think his dad cares that he's not having fun, and he's only inviting uh, his dad's only inviting his friends and not his son's friends, right. and yeah. he ends up going off with the Joker because he wants to learn how to be a clown and blah 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 blah, and mm-hmm. the the old idea that it, it's I've noticed that this is like a constant theme in kids stuff. There's always an episode or like. There's always an aspect of like the kid running away, and uh, yeah. usually it ends up with that kid realizing that maybe his situation isn't that bad and that his dad is yeah <laughs> do what's best for him. But here it's just like no, he just ran off for a day and was pretty yeah. oblivious to what was going on <laughs> for the whole thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's like that episode of The Simpsons where Bart runs away and he crosses into the wrong side of the tracks and. He realizes by hanging out with homeless people that maybe his parents aren't yes, so bad. Exactly. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, so something like that. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> no, uh, uh, you know, at the end of the, the episode, he doesn't really go, oh, man. Yeah, the Joker's kind of a, a, I didn't realize he was actually trying to murder me at my birthday party. Maybe he's not the well, best guy.
1: Well, there is a line where Joker hands him a sword to swallow and the kid is smart enough to say no. That's true. And then when Joker puts Batman in severe danger, the kid immediately does the right thing and he yells no. And <clears throat> what does he do? He he breaks Batman out of the chains or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I do think that the the kid morally stepped up when he needed to. And for me, I, I took that as him falling out of love with this idea of clowns and you know magic and realizing that he's his father's son and that there's a right and there's wrong and
0: he needs to save Batman. Yeah. You know. That's fair. Um. Yeah, I guess I was just thinking, like, for that end scene, it would have been nice if he, there had been some sort of like uh, coda with him yeah. and his father being like, you know what? Maybe we were both being assholes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I like the, I like the hug, but it's such an awkward looking hug at the end. The animation of his father on his knees in front of his son—I don't know what it is about that shot that just feels a little creepy. Yeah, the <laughs> the animation
0: overall in this one is not the best. It's pretty no. pretty stiff overall. <laughs> yeah
1: and they animate a kid in a suit very much like an adult shrunken down with a kid's head yes <laughs> <laughs> you know square shoulders double breasted you know
0: <laughs> i did there was a shot i think it was that two shot where it was a full it was like a full body shot of the of his, the father and the son, and the fo- fa- and the son came up to like Mid mid height on the father, but the father did feel kind of squished down. So I was like, "Is this <laughs> yeah. just bad animation, or is the mayor supposed to be like five foot three or something?" Yeah,
1: no. And then when they animated it in Japan, they probably got confused and were like, uh, "Is he hugging Bruce Wayne?" I don't know. Let's just hedge our bets and make him medium sized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is just an old child. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There was a, when I was in school, I, I took one class in animation, and he uh, they sent off their stuff to uh, to Japan and um, there goes the power saw again. Um, it's like a robot a char- throwing up in the background. <laughs> so, uh, concentrate, Willow. Um, so they sent off the uh, script to the uh, Japanese animators and you have like this sheet that talks about timing and you describe the character's actions and because they don't have pizza in Japan, at least according to my professor, they uh, animated it with the character eating the pizza backwards <laughs> crust first. <laughs> And they got it back, and it was really well, beautifully animated, but unfortunately, it had to be redone. Um, Which I find hard to believe. I mean, I thought pizza was everywhere, including Japan.
0: Yeah, I actually, that's a a good question. I actually never thought about that before, but I'm sure that that, those instances like that pop up across various uh, animated shows. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, uh, Joker, um, I really like the Joker in this one, mainly because uh, it's the first time where he actually felt dangerous. Uh, mm-hmm. And it wasn't just like the Christmas with the Joker was pretty goofy, and then the, I think there's another one that, that we did that was that was pretty goofy, and this is the first one where he's like actively going to murder a birthday party for kids with a mm-hmm. with a bomb, and then he's like, yeah, why don't you take this sword and just shove it down your throat? <laughs> yeah. you know, and even even yeah, when uh, right. <laughs> even when the kid reveals himself and he's like, yeah, I escaped, and he's like, what? Like, he was really mm-hmm. hoping that kid was going to die. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I, but you're right. I mean,
1: one of my beefs with Joker overall in this whole series was he just never feels that threatening. And it gave me a real dislike for Joker as a character for a long time. Um, but because he's so wayfish and giggly and goofy, he always pulls the gun with the flag coming out yeah. of it rather than a real gun. I don't know. Um, and compared to Batman, he's just not that threatening, but compared to a kid at a birthday party, yeah, he's definitely a lot more threatening, which is why I think maybe this works better.
0: Yeah, and you know, the the, the thing that I've always thought makes Joker, the, the, the sillier stuff about the Joker work, is because usually yeah. the punchline to the silly stuff is something awful. So like, usually he'll pull the gun, and the flag will come out, and he'll laugh, and that like, yeah. breaks the tension and then he'll shoot the flag through your face or something like that, you know? Where it's, right. he he's he's uh, he's giving, he's subverting your expectations by doing a joke and then subverting those expectations by doing something awful after the joke. Right. And right. Uh, you know, you can't obviously get that graphic in this show, but I feel like this is pretty close where he's like presenting himself in a very uh, relatable, um, kid-friendly way, but what he's actually doing is trying to murder a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah, I right. will say also, the Joker did set me up for uh, um, a high bar. Or I guess I should say uh, um, a higher expectations in in uh, in regards to the hand buzzer, because I only mm-hmm. was familiar with hand buzzers th- through Batman for a long time, and then when I got yeah. one as a kid, I was very disappointed that there was not actual electricity being shocked <laughs> through somebody's hand. When I f- can I ask who you, who you were testing this on? <laughs> Well, the first one I ever got, you know, I got one at a joke shop or something. And, uh, right. you know, when I actually saw what the mechanism was, I was like, you know, this must not be a real one because this isn't going to hurt anybody.
1: <laughs> you know, speaking of which, are joke, stop- joke
0: shops still a thing? I don't know. I think, I feel like they, they kind of turned into like party cities, basically.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. Because I remember, you know, up in Laconia where I lived and there's nothing there. They still had a joke shop. Yeah. Um and you know, you had like s- s- basic fireworks plus things you could throw on the ground that, that would pop and then you had like stink bombs and fart spray and all that stuff. Um and I don't think I ever bought anything there. But I always <laughs> went in there wondering what the fuck is going on in this place. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's one of those. It's like the circus. It's one of those things that comes up in Batman, where it's like, oh yeah, it's kind of. I remember when those those used to be around, and uh, it just occurred to me while you were talking about them that I don't think I've seen a joke shop for a long time now.
0: Yeah, I think they. I think they probably like a lot of those stores, those niche stores are probably still around in in smaller yeah. towns and stuff, maybe. But uh, <laughs> yeah. generally, yeah, it feels like they've kind of you know, uh, yeah. extinct. It's, I'd love to be the, 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 the first guy
1: that came up with this stuff. Like I'm going to make a, a toy store, but just for little kids who want to be assholes. Yeah. I'm going to have like, so uh, it's a, it looks like a fucking knife. And just when you think the kid's going to stab you, turns out it's a comb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, who makes these, who makes these things? Who carries these things? I mean, what, I don't understand the type of mentality going on. here. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's a business <laughs>
0: model set up around a store that's aimed at kids, yeah. but yeah. At, but whose parents would never, ever let them go there.
1: Yeah, honestly. I mean, just to, if you want to sell a lot of jo- uh, trinkets at a joke sh- shop, just call it what it is. Like, hey, parent, hey, kids, don't tell your parents you're yeah, here. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I imagine the guy that owns the joke store is probably hated amongst a lot of the parents in the local community of these smaller villages. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he's <laughs> like that guy
0: from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit who's just constantly pulling out buzzers and, and pens that oh, yeah. spill ink on you and stuff. and the the rest Austin, of the world is deep, just deep Bob cut. Hoskins being really pissed off at him.
1: <laughs> Good deep cut, man. Nice job. I, th- I thought I was going deep with a world reference. You just <laughs> beat me, <laughs> <the> Roger Rabbit.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny. Uh, you bring up the joke shop thing. The number of episodes that have the Joker across the series, and usually his base is some sort of joke related. Abandoned place. It really makes me wonder how many abandoned joke related businesses there are in Gotham. Was there like a clowning I know. boom I know. that has since died out? <laughs> is there like, was that like a, was it for the next uh, election in Gotham is a big thing about how, how all the clowning jobs yeah. have left Gotham?
1: <laughs> yeah, once the circus was uh, deemed inhumane, every store and joke shop owner decided to get together and become entrepreneurial. And then when that went, you know, tits up. Um, all these abandoned warehouses and toy factories as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I want to see the episode where Jim Gordon's like, oh, "Batman, we got a problem." Joker's escaped, and Joe, Batman's like, "All right, I mean, what joke stores are there? What toy stores? Any abandoned factories with anything goofy in there? <laughs> Any kind of like pun worthy hideouts?" I mean, let's just this is be honest. That's always where we find Joker, right? Everybody. Yep. yep. <laughs> the cops are just scratching their heads, like, I guess. <laughs> I mean, if the Joker really wants to uh, do it without being caught, he should just stay right next to the toy factory. You know, like almost hiding in plain sight. Yeah.
0: If if Joker had decided to hole up in like a post office, then he might be harder to find. <laughs>
1: yeah, or a library, or I don't know, <laughs> the orchestra. Yeah, Phantom of the Opera. Maybe that would be Yeah.
0: It. Um, yeah, but you know, I think overall this episode is is it's it's pretty good. It's it's I, yeah. I feel like it. You know, like I said, I think it it. Could have, they could have pushed the plot a little bit harder. Um, but it is a cool, yeah. it is a fun uh, Joker and Batman episode. I actually really yeah. liked um, the roller coaster sequence because I feel like that mu- that must be a callback to Dark Knight Returns because they even he even has like the exploding baby dolls that he throws oh, yeah. at him. So that's got to be a, a direct yeah. reference to Dark Knight Returns.
1: Wow, I didn't even, um, yeah, I didn't even make that connection. But uh, I forgot how much was in Dark Knight. I mean, I forgot there were actual Nazis in that book, and oh yeah, right, Ronald Reagan and Batman with a gun. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in that book.
0: I always uh, that's I do always forget how uh, I forget that there's basically two halves to the story. You know, there's there's the first half is basically that whole Two Face plot, and then the second half is like the Joker doesn't even show up until like halfway through the book. Hmm. Um,
1: Yeah, I haven't. Read it for a while, but you're right. Yeah. I, uh, I
0: always, yeah, and
1: Superman. Superman shows up at the second yep, half. Superman Is that right? Superman
0: shows up and lots of digs at Ronald Reagan and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. pretty. Uh, yeah. I I don't know if it gets. I mean, I guess it. I guess it does at this point. But I was going to say I don't know if it gets credit for being as subversive as it was. Because um, a it lot of people subver- call it out as being like dark and gritty, and you know. Which it is, I guess, but it's it's pretty like politically subversive too.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, it's not subtle, right? Yeah, but um, it's funny um, when uh, I was doing White Knight, um, talking to DC about possible sequels. Uh, their first thought was, uh, "Hey, why don't you throw Superman in there? Why don't you do what Frank? Mil- Here's what Frank Miller did. You need to expand the universe and blah blah blah." blah. And I said, uh, "I don't know. Like, I don't know a lot about those characters and." I might have a Superman story, but I don't know if I'd want to jam it into to, to Gotham, honestly. And um yeah, I, I had to convince them I I think my Gotham will always be just Gotham centric. I don't want to add any other superheroes in there. I don't even want to add an element of a superhero power per mm-hmm. se. You know, I would like every I guess Clayface is the most superhero-y kind of weird thing that happens in, in my book, but I sort of had to fight them on keeping it um keeping it gotham centric and not blowing it up to include the rest of the planet with all these aliens and you know the emerald space station whatever the fuck it's right. called yeah <laughs> I and mean, i thought like i don't want to research these things i don't want to know how i feel about hal jordan <laughs> I, I mean I, I just sort of like batman is a low low level uh hero not necessarily a um you know larger than life superheroic yeah se, i've
0: always you know? you know i i like as I think we we talked about in, in in the like intro episode I like that Batman is you can apply him to basically any story and he works more or less um mm-hmm. but what I always liked about applying him to like the justice League and these larger sort of uh, larger powered kind of cosmic type stuff yeah. is that Batman should always feel, out of place in the Justice League, you know what I mean? Like they they mm-hmm. want him there because he's good at stuff, but he kind of <laughs> thinks that you know maybe he doesn't belong here. Maybe this is kind of a waste of everybody's time. Uh, yeah,
1: there has to be some tongue in cheek. Like seriously, guys, what do you need me for? I mean, I know I'm smarter than you, but that's
0: pretty much all I can do. And if I, you know, <laughs> you could have just. If I remember correctly, <laughs> that's kind of how they play it in the cartoon, I think, is that Batman, with the Justice League, is he's there, he's part of the team, but he's also kind of like, yeah. you know, I got other stuff to do. Uh, right. Like, I mean, I'm sure Batman being there is always going to be a plus, but like, if you've got Superman, Wonder Woman, and The Flash, and Green Lantern, Batman can probably take the day off most of the time.
1: Yeah, pretty much. There was uh, that cartoon uh, that we were talking about uh, last time, Batman and Harley Quinn, there's a brief... Uh, part where uh, Buster Gold Booster Gold is that his name? Booster Gold sorry um, calls in and he's really willing to help out and Batman's not into it I guess he's annoyed by Booster Gold Gold or whatever yeah. and um, I don't know a lot about the, the JLA type stuff uh, but I, I'm glad that they didn't include any other superheroes and they just kept Batman and Harley and Nightwing pretty much as <laughs> the main. Cast. yeah, yeah, that was one of the the m- only
0: thing that that movie did right. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say that's that was probably one of the only highlights. I think what what uh, what that speaks to is um, um, I, I've talked about this multiple times on various different podcasts, but it's uh, knowing the recognizing the scope of your story and the environment of your story hmm. and, and recognizing where the limits of that environment is to make your story work. Because, like, for instance, I hate it in, like, Friday the 13th movies when someone calls the cops. Because you've got this very insulated story that's happening in a very insulated location. Right. Um, Or, I guess, isolated story in an isolated location. Uh, And as soon as you call the cops, that's opening the world up in ways that you now have to figure out how your isolated story plays in this larger environment. And it usually makes things more complicated and usually waters it down. And I think Batman, what you're talking about is a similar thing where I think, you know, with with your book, White Knight, it's a very specific Gotham City that you're dealing with, Mm -hmm. with very specific politics and very specific relationships. If you were to come back and just be like, okay, now this time... Uh, Dark side shows up. That's like that's a completely different book, you know. And that's yeah, going yeah. to you gotta, now you got to answer all these questions about well, how does this
1: fit in? Is Superman alive? you introduced the premise. Yeah. Now people are going to want to know what the hell is outside of Gotham yeah. now. You even know?
0: someone, even Superman, who is who is uh, yeah, you know, Batman and Superman go together all the time. But you know, in putting Superman into your world, your White Knight world, right? is going to yeah. bring up so many questions that are that are not questions you yeah. probably want to have to answer for the story you're trying to tell
1: you can't because i mean at the end of volume one the uh u.s government is going is is declaring gotham a state of emergency or whatever and they're sending the black helicopters and uh why didn't they just send superman yeah <laughs> you know or why wasn't he already there yeah, why doesn't batman
0: uh, just pick up his red yeah. phone and call superman
1: yeah when, when immediately when you when you elevate your story to that level it just gets a lot more complicated and i think there's something really nice and sweet and innocent about keeping gotham as an island basically oh know? definitely yeah um even even when i threw in the world war ii stuff into my story i, I was worried about that doing kind of the same thing mm-hmm. is uh gotham's in the real world and now people are going to start asking real 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 world questions but because it's in the past and mr freeze it, it, you know it's all behind him i didn't think it was as big of a deal but i'm extremely careful about adding those elements in because I want to keep Gotham as an island yeah. you know
0: yeah and you know traditionally Gotham and, and Metropolis are far enough away that you can figure <laughs> out like oh, okay I mean that's why Superman's not always here the thing one of the things yeah. that killed me in Batman versus Superman was, was, the, gonna was say, that you yeah. could <laughs> see Metropolis like it was like New Jersey in New York <laughs> across yeah. the water and I just everything I just becomes too close and I, yeah. it just, I don't know, it just, it, it really kind of yeah. waters, waters down everything for me when they do the stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I still, I've, I've tried to watch it. I can't get five minutes into that movie, yeah. just, you know. As a DC employee, I probably shouldn't be saying that, but uh, I don't care. <laughs> that is bad. <laughs> hey man, your book's your books already done, they can't fire you from exactly, Yeah. I know Frank Miller says all kinds of horrible shit all the time.
0: I'm yeah, sure. I mean, you know, maybe let's, <laughs> let's not go that far with it, but <laughs> you know, you know, you're right. While we're on it,
1: <laughs> let's go back to hentai. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, unless I, I think uh, that does it for me. On yeah this one, I think. what uh, what would you draw if you uh, if you were going to draw a section of it?
1: Oh, Man, you know that roller coaster uh, park thing is really cool, but. Draw it seems like a pain in the yeah. ass to draw a
0: roller coaster with all the cross beams and wooden planks. Um, how about you? Um, I was just going to say, uh, jumping off of that. And when I was in college, I did a painting um, that took place at a amusement park, and I put a Ferris wheel and a uh, um, roller coaster in the background. And I was doing this <laughs> uh, this technique that like uh, Bernie Fuchs and those guys did, where they would do um, they would do like yeah. a oil wash. And then go in with turpentine and just like basically paint the light essentially uh, and take right. out the light. And so I man, I spent like five hours just picking out in between all the negative space in between every piece of the Ferris wheel. Oh my god! And when I was done, yeah. I was like, "Well, that looks like shit. That wasn't worth the time." <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I, I have never done that yeah. to this day. But uh, yeah. um, I would probably pick. Uh, you know, I love the the image of uh, Batman in the uh, the water torture cage.
1: You know that was my
0: that was my second. Yeah, I uh, was answer. I'm a big yeah. uh, Harry Houdini fan, and I was gonna say mm-hmm. I, I would love to do like a a, a a splash page in the style of like a Houdini poster, like one of those old right. posters with Batman upside down in the water tank and like the Joker as the carnival barker kind of thing. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. With like you know, there, there was you could a do Batman Houdini. Oh yes, from, yeah, uh, I love that. Mark book. Yeah. Um yeah. And, you know, you could put like the 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 uh, really elaborate type on it and everything, and the ornate kind of sidebars that like those posters used to have. I think that would be really cool.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah, that would be good. I love
0: that old stuff. Is it? Th- there's so much you can sink your teeth into as an artist, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the one thing I was going to mention. Uh, you remember in that roller coaster sequence? There's a part where the Joker like says some one-liner about smelling a flower, and then he does the the flower thing. He sprays the flower at him. Yeah. What is he spraying? It's like this pink mist that doesn't do anything. It's not like it's usually acid or something. It's just like he had the flower fart on him.
1: Huh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't pick up on that, but you're
0: right. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a <laughs> they missed an opportunity <laughs> to have a have a a, a good Joker flower gag. Yeah. And also, uh, one other thing we didn't mention is this is the episode that the thumbs up Batman GIF comes from. Excuse me, GIF.
1: (laughs) I get that thing all fucking day. Yeah. That and Fry from Futurama going, give
0: me my, give me, take my money or something. (laughs) Yeah. So we can thank it for that one. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Overall, uh, I mean, would you give this one a rating? I would probably give this one, I'd probably give it a three. I mean, it's, It's fine. Uh, not a ton going on Joker's fun it's a fun setting Uh, the plot is like any kind of kid's movie plot but I wish it had the kid had learned something you know the running away isn't the answer kind of thing Um, yeah when
1: you put it through the the lens of what would
0: you improve then I can definitely start to see more flaws in this
1: episode Um, but I think it's above average for me if if 3 is average so I'm going to go a high
0: 3 or a low 4 All right. Well, that does it for Be A Clown. We'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with It's Never Too Late. All right, now we're going to talk about It's Never Too Late. Woo-hoo! Story by Tom Ruger, teleplay by Garen Wolf, directed by Boyd Kirkland, and in it, a mob war between crime bosses Rupert Thorne and Arnold Stromwell is nearing its end and comes to a climax when Stromwell is set up to be killed in an exploding restaurant by Thorne. Batman saves mm-hmm. him at the last moment, and aided by Stromwell's brother, now a priest who lost his leg... <laughs> These are tough to read sometimes. <laughs> now, a pri- now a priest who lost his leg years before an accident for which Strom- Stromwell carries a secret guilt, tries to persuade him to give up his life of crime and help the police bring Thorne down by testifying mm-hmm. against him. So it sounds like, but based on your reaction, <laughs> that you really like this episode.
1: This is one of my favorites. I'm gonna just say right now, for me, it's a five out of five. Yeah, excellent. Um, and I'm really excited that we actually lost the file for this one because I always love talking about oh, it. Don't and tell people about that we again. lost the file. <laughs> sorry we're professionals who never make mistakes
0: <laughs> so what, it, uh, what is it about it that you like
1: uh, again I thought it was another great episode where Batman's not the main character mm-hmm. it shows Gotham City and as a city with real people and citizens in it and the idea of these brothers who uh, one is a crime boss one is priest um, I thought it was really effective the, the guilt of um, uh, the, the crime boss of course him needing to be reached out to and you know uh, there's just so many great scenes, so many great visuals. And any time you can get Batman near a steeple of a church or mm. whatever, he's pretty much destined
0: to be there. How about you? You know, I like this one. I um, I don't really like the flashback stuff. Uh, yeah. I think the rest of the story is strong enough that they could have um, leaned into it a little bit more. Like, I think the, the emotional point uh, at the end where um, Stromwell you know talks to his brother and then comes to uh, mm-hmm. comes around I think probably could have been better served by his son
1: um,
0: yeah. because the 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 connection of uh, he's he's this crime boss who has uh, through his actions caused his son to become hooked on drugs I think, has is a little bit more relatable and stronger than oh also he has this (laughs) thing in his in his past about his brother almost getting killed by a train um that's just that's just my personal preference so
1: instead of um so you shift the focus to where you don't need the the flashback instead his guilt is about his son not about his brother Yeah. yeah 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 i never thought about it that way uh, I guess the reason I like the flashbacks is because it's very much that movie uh, Once Upon a Time in New York. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I love the sepia tone. I love the train. The way the train is animated. Yes. I mean, you see it as just like a chugging cloud of doom smoke with a headlight, and suddenly the train is just like bam, honk honk. Um, you know, and for there's a good five seconds where you think a kid just got murdered by a train. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, um, and this is a, and that's that's pretty bold for a kids show. Um, I feel like if they had gone the route of highlighting the sun drug problems, I think it might've been a little bit too dark for kids because I'm kind of surprised they got away with as much as they did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, this is another one similar to the forgotten where when you actually look at what they're doing, it's pretty fucking heavy. Um, You know, I mean, mob bosses and all that kind of stuff is fine. But again, in cartoons, mob bosses are never called out as being drug dealers and Mm. drug manufacturers. And, so, and right. they are definitely not ever, there's never been a scene in like, uh, you know, the Dick Tracy cartoon where uh, Pruneface has to come to the realization that his son <laughs> there, has been hooked on <laughs> drugs that he's been selling, you know? Is there, wait, is there a Dick Tracy cartoon that I I missed? think there was, maybe there wasn't, I don't know, I think there was. They, they, they were making cartoons out of everything that was mildly popular in the early 90s, so it, it may have been a brief, I... a brief one.
1: I don't think there was, but it begs the question, why wouldn't you? Because the thing looks totally relatable to, you know, yeah. easy to animate. Especially, you know?
0: especially with Batman. I mean, that Batman animation is more or less Dick Tracy yeah. animation. But. I mean, I feel like, right, definitely with that jaw and everything. But I, I feel like um, maybe the
1: Warren Beatty movie, I think the Warren Beatty movie was sort of on the heels of Bruce, Tim Burton's Batman. Um, it was, absolutely, yes. yeah. It was, okay. Yeah. And then you could see why they would start talking about, hey, maybe we should do, you know, an animation of this. But uh, I don't remember there actually being one, which is a shame. So I don't know who's asking for Dick Tracy now, to be honest, right. except for you and me. But
0: <laughs> I actually, I just looked it up. There was a Dick Tracy cartoon in the 1961, and it uh, only lasted a year. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. actually now that I'm looking at, it, it's actually kind of cool. It's got a, a a pretty interesting animation style. Very. Very. I mean, it looks like Dick Tracy, but it's it looks like Dick Tracy run through a '60s yeah. filter and has, judging by this <laughs> picture, a very racist character in it, which is not that surprising. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> no, <laughs> gonna look, gonna look I'm sorry, <laughs> multiple multiple very racist characters. <laughs> uh, on the first page Oof, of Google yeah. image search, I have a uh, uh, Asian stereotype character and a Mexican stereotype character. So, wait a minute, Dick Tracy cartoon. Let me look this shit up.
1: Uh, hmm. oh yeah yeah oh my god yeah yep. <laughs> anyway yeah <laughs> Oof. uh but yeah it's it's funny because the dick tracy's sorry one more thing the dick tracy's villains were so over the top animated mm-hmm. you can imagine how easily it could have dipped into booking racist and that's exactly what this what this
0: cartoon does yep. big time <laughs>
1: wow. All right, maybe we'll, maybe they should. That then. Okay. <laughs> anyway, going back to Batman.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, the, um, yeah, I, I I was surprised that they dipped into that stuff because I mean you know like in the Forgotten where it's a, an episode about homeless people who are being a, a a a that they they even exist and b that they're being abducted and mistreated. That's some that's mm-hmm. heavy shit to put in a kids show. Um, yeah. And I and I would argue that dr- the drug stuff is even heavier because drug stuff right. in a kid's show is usually like, uh, I don't know, if, do you remember that cartoon that they did where it was like uh, all of the Saturday morning cartoons got together to teach this kid a lesson about doing drugs? And I. Oh, my God, no, but I should. Oh, man, I'm sure that it's on amazing. YouTube. Uh, I, I <laughs> watched it a million times because it was like, wait a minute, you're telling me I can watch a cartoon that has the Ninja Turtles and Bugs Bunny? and all of these other cartoons that I want, like, they're all there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, the the miracle that was Roger Rabbit. How did you get these two huge studios to work together oh, yeah. and to pool their resources? Yeah, to this... and that movie would never happen today. Well, I don't know. Uh, Actually,
0: but... today it might. I mean, you've got, like, Wreck-It Ralph is more or less doing the same thing, right? They're... Yeah, that's true. They have the Street Fighter characters in there.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see, I'd like to hear a lawyer talk about that stuff, but it just seems like more of a, more unlikely that two giant right. corporations would—unless Disney buys Warner Brothers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it they own, be a disaster Disney, Disney owns comics. it.
0: I mean, Disney by itself could do a movie that has every Marvel character, The Simpsons, uh, Star Wars. So, you know, they might not even need it. I do You're remember— right. They could do a meat player, Ready Player One, but um, just on their own franchise in a way. You yeah, know, Just basically. A kitchen yeah. sink, basically. Yeah. yeah, I guess Ready Player One is more or less— the Roger Rabbit analog at this point because of all the stuff that shows up in there, right? Yeah, you're right. Definitely. Yeah. I do hmm. the one thing that I do know is I believe that there was some deal with Roger Rabbit where the Disney characters had to have as many lines as the Warner right. brothers characters, so there wasn't right. any sort of like uh, playing An equal favorites screen. or anything. Yeah. An equal screen time. So you had Daffy Duck, but you had to have Donald
1: there and they're playing piano so they're all both on the screen at the same time. Right, exactly. Um. Yeah. I wonder if uh, Marvel and DC, would ever do like crossover comics, like Superman and Spider Man again.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's been a while since the uh, what was the last one? the ama- The amalgam universe. No, you know what they did a uh, Justice League versus the Avengers. Maybe I don't know, fifteen years ago, I think. Huh. And I think no, I don't that was that. the yeah, I think that was the last time they did it. Um,
1: what wasn't there a Wolverine Batman mix? Yeah, Dark Claw. Or was that a
0: what was it? Sorry, Dark Claw. Dark Claw. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, the funny story about that. This is a total tangent off of a tangent already on. Please, yeah. <laughs> uh, that came out. That came out when I was in the sixth grade, and I was all about it. Like Batman, Wolverine, my two like favorite characters. As one character, I was all about it. And I would, I was drawing that character all the time. Had an awesome, wow. had an awesome cover. I was copying the cover. And I was doing it at, at school, right? In like the homeroom where, you know, you're not doing fucking anything. You're just sitting there waiting for your day to start. Right. And I'm doing this, this dark claw drawing in the inside of my notebook that I am just like in love with. This is like the best thing I've ever drawn, right? Oh. And my teacher's walking <laughs> behind me. She stops. She's w- looking at what I'm doing and looking at the intricacy, inter, inter, how complicated this drawing is. <laughs> <laughs> and she just taps my elbow, and my hand goes right across the page, oh. and just puts a giant line right through the entire thing. And I, oh God, I think that's the first time in my life where I can remember feeling rage. Right. Um, and she was just like <laughs> chuckled about it, and like kept walking. And I was like, "You, right. motherfucker!" And you know, that, if you're gonna draw Wolverine and really get into character, you really should understand rage. Yeah, that's true. That might, maybe, that might be the, uh, the moment that set up my, uh, um, (laughs) when I draw now, anytime that I have an ink splot land on my page, I, I basically, you know, start destroying my house. Uh, You know, it's
1: hard to imagine. For those of you who don't know Clay, like I do, uh, he's pretty, uh, unflappable kind of guy. He's not one to usually flip out and get angry and ragey, um. I am. I definitely have issues, but it's hard (laughs) to imagine. Like, I'll make mistakes on my page, but I've never lost it and flipped over a table in my house.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's for me, it's like my my style is generally more organic and technical drawing I don't like as much. Uh, Mm -hmm. So when I've done something that's, you know, clean and tight and then it gets fucked up because, you know, I didn't hit my pen correctly or i'm like drawing a line with my dip pen and the ruler just bleeds the line everywhere it's yeah. just like i worked so hard to not do this and <laughs> then i just ruined it in one thing and now i have to go fix it it's to the point now where um if i swear loudly my dog gets up and comes over and sits next to me because he can feel that there's something and <laughs> <wrong. laughs> he feels your tourette's acting up yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far with it, but it's it's uh it's definitely a an art related um, expression yeah. of anger. Yeah, when I yell, my dogs just usually run and hide. Yeah, and my wife. <laughs> <laughs> no wait. <laughs> anyway, back to Batman. Anyway, back to Batman. Uh, another uh, another of instance. Favorite, uh, oh, go so, ahead.
1: One of my favorite scenes in this was when the brothers finally get a moment to talk, and. The someone's coming after them. Batman's basically going around the conversation, physically going around alleyway to alleyway, taking down people that are going to interrupt them. Mm-hmm. And every time that he t- takes down another hood, um, you see him look towards the brothers who are making progress on this conversation that they need to have, and he just kind of gives them the space just to allow that. Like, nothing can affect what they need to talk about right now because Batman is on it. Right. And I really liked that. Like, he
0: is really second fiddle to what the priest has to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and he his uh, I I love the um, Batman in the background at night in the train yard stuff where it, it, while he's doing that stuff you're talking about he's like jumping from boxcar to boxcar and like you only get to some of the some of the shots reminded me of like Alex Toth drawings where you're only getting the blue of the cape and like maybe his leg or something as he's jumping across right and it's it's really cool and they, it's a lot of like yeah. fighting in the shadow stuff which is always great
1: yeah. Yeah, I like that stuff. Um, Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I just yeah, that that flashback sequence is just so great to me. I I just I'm stunned to hear you would say that to to take it out. I mean, if I had written this and you had
0: helped you know edit me and you were like, I think you should remove this, I would tell you to go fuck yourself. I think it's amazing. (laughs) Hey, well, you know, you know, as long as if if you can if you can passionately defend it enough, I'll 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 let you keep it. But uh... yeah, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Thanks for letting me do my, my. my comics <laughs> that you're helping me edit. <laughs> well, you know, lead isn't the right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I. You know. I, I. guess. I guess for me, it just it just seemed like. You're not wrong. Yeah, I agree. You've made a good point. Absolutely. But yeah. You're an asshole. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> I, I
1: have I have to be in those situations. Yeah. Oh, well, they also uh, had a lot of good fire in this episode too. Yes.
0: I, I know you love how they animate fire and light the Dark night. I fire. do. But there's no Batman lit by fire in this episode. When, when, oh, yeah, that, right. when that building blew up, I was like, "Oh, excellent! This is going to be a, some fire lit <laughs> Batman." But there was none of it. He just very goes gray.
1: Yeah, but it was. Not, I'm looking at the photos right now. He's all. He's still blue and gray. He's not washed
0: out by warm colors. You know. Yeah. Um, I I think the animation in this episode is is pretty good. Uh, I, I should say I think the inanimate animation is good. Like the train stuff is really good. Uh, The fire stuff is really good. I think some of the... There's one scene where after Batman saves Stromwell from the building where he's got him over his shoulder and they're, like, jumping across building tops, which is a little goofy. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, overall, I think it's pretty good. I think it's better than the last one. Um, Yeah. Did you sense a lot of Godfather in this? Oh, definitely, yeah. Those flashbacks uh, definitely felt like uh, Godfather Mm 2 flashbacks. Isn't there a
1: cannoli joke, too, with uh, Bullock?
0: yes yes yeah he yeah the the place that blew up has the best cannolis yeah (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. and Um, even yeah it was like the the scene where michael corleone makes his first hit i feel like the restaurant looks a lot like that
0: oh absolutely yeah i'm sure that's not not an accident yeah Uh, i always love when you can go back and watch these cartoons that you watched as a kid and missed all of these jokes that or you know Mm. references and stuff yeah um like, this, obviously, The Simpsons is a big one for me, where it's like, oh, I, I get that Citizen Kane joke now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, as a kid, for you and me anyway, like a lot of the jokes were a little over our head back yeah. in the day, and now we look back, yeah, definitely re- worth rewatching just to get those. Definitely, um, yeah. It's funny, I, uh, I went down the dark hole of planting an Easter egg once. Uh, I was doing uh, Punk Rock Jesus, and I had this mansion, this house that was sort of derelict, and I... Really wanted to make it Jean-Luc Picard's house from Next Generation. Mm-hmm. And I went down the dark hole. It took me three hours on the internet to uh, try to locate this house in L.A. because they shot it in, like, um, I don't know, one of the smaller towns inside L.A. So I'm looking through websites of, like, houses well-known to be used for filming locations or filming locations in Star Trek. And I even went into Google Earth and zoomed in on this neighborhood trying to locate the actual shape of the house that I thought it might be from just a handful of shots from the episode itself. In the episode is called Family, it's where Picard goes back to France to get along with his brother. Mm-hmm. And it's this very uh, Georgian looking sort of, uh, I don't know what you call it, I don't know architecture that well. Um, anyway, so I ended up going back to the episode and f- freezing the few shots there. Um, and I managed to do a pretty good proxy. Nobody. Of course, caught it because it's such a deep cut. Yeah. Only I care. And honestly, was it worth me spending three hours in doing that? No. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think the guy that bought the art did appreciate that because he did catch the Star Trek references. Um, and even now, when I watch, because they reuse a lot of these locations and you know in LA for shooting all the time, mm-hmm. and I think there's an episode of Parks and Rec where they use the same house. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going off a tangent, off a tangent again.
0: Oh, no. No, because I, I was going to say, that's I, I, I call that uh, productive procrastination. <laughs> that, have you ever done that? Gone down the dark hole of uh, h- how Easter eggy can I make this? Oh, hundreds. Yeah, plenty of times. And usually it's it's one of those things where I, I hadn't really thought about it beforehand. But I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll use this weapon and then from this mm. movie or something. Uh, maybe I'll use the, the flamethrower from Alien. And then, you know, you end up spending two hours finding every huh. angle of the flamethrower from Alien because you want exactly. to get it Exactly. Right. Then, I've done that. Yeah. And then afterwards you realize that you just drew it on like a background character. <laughs> it never yeah. shows up again. Uh, dude, I did that again with Punk Rock. I had a, a gun locker.
1: So I drew all these different guns that I thought were cool. One of them was from Appleseed. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was the Nintendo Zapper included uh, oh, the cord. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's real quick. But I think I used the Alien um, Hicks's Assault rifle, too. Yep. And some of them are so hard to draw, even from, like, a side-on angle, which, is, as an artist, it's, like, the easiest, best, clearest way to draw a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't want to do it over and over. So I just, like, yeah, you know what? They're there in the background in that one panel. I don't need—I'm going to have him grab an easy-to-draw gun.
0: <laughs> when uh, when you were doing Joe the Barbarian and you were putting all that stuff into the background, was was there oh, God. was there anything yeah. that you chose— where, you, where a couple pages later, you're like, oh shit, I'm going to have to draw this like 40, 40 times.
1: Yeah, pretty much everything I threw in there. I mean, <laughs> the script was, uh, this kid is is low on, his insulin levels are low, so he's hallucinating. And he thinks he's in his land with all of his toys. And the script just said, you know, blocks, toy soldiers, you know, basic toys. But I had to go and make it Transformers, G.I. Joe's, you know, deep cut Warner Brothers owned action figures. I think I had Grey Ghost and Batman in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got myself into so much trouble uh, just having to put that effort in every goddamn time the army showed up, which was a lot. Um, It worked out, though, because that was sort of the uh, appeal of the book. I think a lot of people just liked the the world, not so much... um, I'm not not really sure what they liked, but they, they seemed to like the world. But there was a time when I drew in one panel Han Solo's blaster, which is Very recognizable obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, DC's legal team who had to comb through every page to make sure I was not stealing drawing something that they didn't own the rights to, they did have me tweak the blaster and they basically made me turn the scope around backwards to make it look goofy so it didn't look like a LucasArts prop. Yeah I mean. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, but, that
0: there was that much uh, combing through done, actually. Uh, oh,
1: God. It's they, the tiniest things. Like, there was a character I did in the background that was this size half the size of your fingernail, and it was just a generic cowboy. And they made me change it because they said it looked too much like the man with no, no name. Really? W- really? Which is owned by Dynamite. Um, and I guess, I don't know what their history with Dynamite is, but they really wanted to stay away from Dynamite characters. And, I mean, I drew... People that look almost exactly like He-Man, and they were fine with it. But this generic cowboy in the background was, there. They I mean, I can imagine the meeting of them zooming in. You know, you have this giant PowerPoint presentation or the big screen, and they're zooming in the background, checking every single little scribble I drew to make sure they're not going to get sued. Yeah, that's
0: that's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, um, my favorite one of those things has always been uh, because mainly because it it. it um, ends up being so central well, not central but it comes up a few times is in Sin City Frank Miller just has someone using the gun from RoboCop and it's just like <laughs> one of the guns that shows up and it shows up multiple times so i don't know if you RoboCop's had a prop. actual yeah. his actual pistol his actual gun. shot
1: oh man i know you love that thing yeah and you know
0: <laughs> what the, the my favorite part i do i actually own one i bought one for a quote unquote reference um the uh the coolest thing about it is when they made the Sin City movie they use mm-hmm. that prop. So if you go back and you watch the movie, where where that gun shows up in the comic, they actually use the Robocop gun in the movie. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I mean it's I, I love it's tough to it's tough to miss. To you know, it's tough to miss. It's a very recognizable gun. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. interesting.
1: I drew that recently. I did a Robocop pinup, and I got to draw that gun again. And I forgot how much I love looking at it. Yeah. I, I think it's actually too big to fit in his thigh. Honestly. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Eh, it doesn't
0: matter. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's just like Wolverine's claws. If you actually look at how long they are, they wouldn't fit inside his arm. Most of them. That's
1: why I always like. Uh, oh, by the way, going back to Dark Claw. Yeah. Um. Didn't he have like jagged Wolverine claws? He did. His claws
0: okay. looked like batarangs, so they were okay, like, like, like serrated. Like, yeah. They don't oh. make any sense.
1: I thought they were like lightning bolts
0: Um, shaped,
1: serrated. Wow, that's cool.
0: Yeah, I think it's like curved on one. So basically, you know how the Wolverine claws are usually kind of curved on the top and flat on the bottom? Sort of. Yeah. I think it was like curved on the top and then it was kind of serrated in the bottom, sort of like a Batarang, I think. Man.
1: Dude, if I drew Wolverine, I would give him serrated claws on the edge, on the, on the part closest to his hand. Yeah. Just imagine that scene where the, he's not able to cut through something, so he has to start sawing his way through somebody's <laughs> arm. Oh my God, that would be awesome. <laughs> Hold so, on, my, 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 my bone, my claws are not sharp as they used to be. I gotta just give me a second here. So okay, what you're saying is, is uh,
0: <laughs> if you do a volume two of Dark Knight, of uh, White Knight, uh, <laughs> uh, Dark Claw will be showing up at some point. <laughs> Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Dark Claw Dark would Claw like an E after the K, so you can avoid the copyright problem. Yeah,
1: it's funny. I don't want to put it Superman in the script, because it might make, yeah. make the readers ask a lot of questions that aren't necessary, but adding uh, Wolverine, yeah, no problem. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Worked for the image, guys. <laughs> exactly.
0: But oh, uh, yeah.
1: There's another good legal question I have. It's when they were inventing their characters, and they were all obvious... Proxies mm-hmm. to previously, no. I mean, come on. That's obviously Cyclops. That's obviously Gambit. Um, yeah. I wonder when they decided to consult a lawyer, and when the lawyer told them, yeah, uh, Flood Claw. No. What's his name? Silver Hawk. No.
0: Shit. Uh, Shadowhawk.
1: Hawk. Hawk. Thank you. <laughs>
0: yeah. The one who just <laughs> yeah, looks that, like yeah. a silver Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I. Sorry. I don't. I don't know if. Uh, you know. I... I'm sure. I'm sure we could probably ask somebody who who has a better knowledge of how the legal stuff worked back then. But like, I don't think there was as much scrutiny, because yeah. I, I, comics were not as big a business as they are now. Well, yeah, comics were a bigger business, but they weren't as big business, if that makes sense. So like, mm. you know, now uh, yeah. DC and, and and Marvel are all owned right. by these much larger conglomerates. And at the time, I know DC was owned by Warner Brothers, but I, I don't. You know, maybe mm-hmm. that's why all the rip-offs are usually Marvel rip-offs and not, and not DC rip-offs.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, and my, my impression, because my lawyer uh, used to work for DC Comics, and she wrote her contracts, and she spent, I don't know, 20 years there. Um, in fact, we should probably, we could get her, if we ever wanted to talk about that stuff and bore everyone to death, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, we had to pay her by the hour, so I don't know if you want to afford that. <laughs>
0: well, we can, put, we can do a Patreon, and whatever her rate is, that'll be the cost yeah. of the Patreon. <laughs> yeah,
1: $300 an hour for her to tell us. Yeah, you can't use the man with no name.
0: <laughs> Money well spent. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, but
1: it's always interesting. She actually teaches a class to her students about me, but she doesn't use my name. She was telling me this last <laughs> week when we were getting drunk. I have a good relationship with my lawyer. Uh-huh. Um, and she was saying, because uh, I had a legal run-in with Marvel years ago, and I had to. that's when I first hired this lawyer, was because I just needed Marvel to leave me alone, because they were trying to make an example out of me, and it's something I need to get into. It's all settled. Mm-hmm. Um, But uh, she tells her students this story, and the students generally weigh in on the side of Marvel, saying, Marvel is in their legal right, blah, 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 which I admitted 100% as well. It's Mm -hmm. just that everyone in comics does all these pinups of any character they want, and no one ever gets caught except for me. Right. So um, uh, anyway, so she always tells her students the story, and the students' takeaway is, oh, well, your client, Sean, they don't know my name, He's the one in the wrong. Marvel's in the right. They have the legal right to protect her, you know. And if you're going to law school and you're just answering by the book, absolutely. But then she goes, well, here's the, here's the emotional cost of what happened. Sean has never worked for Marvel Comics since, nor will he ever. <laughs> I mean, plus a lot of Sean's friends that used to work for Marvel don't work for Marvel anymore. Sean's helped his friends negotiate Marvel contracts costing Marvel. Like, Sean's a vindictive son of a bitch. He's probably cost <laughs> Marvel a lot more than Marvel's aware. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I got a kick out of that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's a bummer because, I mean, we're never going to see Gambit hot pink under the max line, I guess, now. <laughs> no. But
1: I can't even put Wolverine in Gotham.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're ju- you're asking so little to put Wolverine <laughs> in a Batman comic, you know?
1: <laughs> just just a little bit of Wolverine. Yeah, just
0: a hair. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so what else do we need to talk about? Did we get through everything here? Yeah, I think so. I think we covered the episode, more or less, um, unless yeah. there's something else you want to say. Um, uh,
1: if you had to draw a scene, oh yeah, what would you
0: pick? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess for you, train yard. I you know I was on the fence between the train yard and uh, the church sequence. Even though the church sequence is pretty short, hmm. um, but like you said, Batman in a church is always or near a yeah. church is always a good visual. Um, yeah. But yeah, that train yard sequence would be pretty cool. Is is Batman in front of a church good because it's
1: gothic? And there's towers and there's high peaks for him to stand on, and usually gargoyles Mm -hmm. and angels. Or is it because this implied religion and this white knight, you know, this like
0: warrior for, for the forces of good? Like, which which of those two do you think it is mostly? I think it's probably mostly the gothic thing because you know he's Batman. Batman on a church is like he looks like a gargoyle, you know, and uh, he just fits in with that with that kind of uh, uh, imagery. But uh, yeah. I can definitely see the other thing you're saying too, because I mean he is a a force for good wrapped in the uh, the the blanket of a demon, basically, you know. Right, um, right. So it is kind of an it's interesting good, juxtaposition.
1: That's uh, a good analogy. I like that. Um, what about um, where do you boil? Where do you land on the whole discussion about Batman on a gargoyle and how we're seeing it way too much for years and years? I think it was. Uh, Uh, Well, an artist friend of mine who used to go on Twitter and just rant and always just condemn people who were too unoriginal to draw anything other than Batman on a goddamn gargoyle. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh,
0: I have a theory I know who it is, but I won't
1: say. Okay. Do you, because I mean, that didn't change anything. People are still drawing him that way. Jim Lee still draws it. It still looks fine. Um, Where do you
0: boil down on that? Uh, I think that's a weird thing to be pissed off about <laughs> <laughs> that's that is not a that's not what i'm questioning at all <laughs> no um i you know i this guy is single by the way yeah <laughs> um yeah i i don't know i mean it is it is a very uh it's it's a very easy decision to make because you know those imageries do go together they immediately evoke a certain kind of feel um i personally Tend to really like it when, you know, like uh, John Paul Leon is really good at putting Batman in a different space. Usually, uh, where he'll do a lot of like rooftops, or he'll even do like a cityscape sort of kind of thing, where it's like a like a Chinatown kind of looking place, where it's really complex and right. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's if it were me, if someone were commissioned me to do Batman stand, if the commission was Batman standing on something. Mm-hmm. I think my first thought would be Gargoyle, but then I would go, you know what? Let's try something different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've done Gargoyle in mine because it's... I don't have a problem with it, but Gargoyles are hard to draw. Yes. I mean, uh, the shadows, is it
0: lit from below? Yep. Is it raining? You know, that kind of thing. That's the thing. You've um, got to be good at it. Like, if you if you get a... You're probably yeah. not having this conversation if you're looking at Mike Mignola drawing Batman on a gargoyle or like Bernie Wrightson drawing Batman on a gargoyle but right you know yeah. they, like I found it just as effective to put Batman by a brick
1: chimney yep. that's like falling apart yep. or wrought iron I'm big on you know wrought iron fences and Victorian sort of details you know like when the wrought iron's all curly and weird and wrapped around the lamppost you know the kind of old england type stuff oh yeah i like that it's easier to draw you don't see it as much um i don't know (laughs) it's kind of become my go-to maybe even a bit too much um but the gargoyle thing yeah i mean especially when you have to draw it in perspective and those things are usually jutting out at you so you have that distortion problem it's it's not easy. Like, I give props to people that can do it well, but it's not original either. Yeah. But if that's what your client wants, I mean, people read Batman, they want they want some of the hits. They want right. Batman by lightning. They want Batman on a gargoyle. Like, they want some new stuff, too, but they're also expecting some of the hits.
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, if you're doing it in a story, I think you can only get away with it, like, once, um, because otherwise it's like, well, this Gotham City seems to have a lot of gargoyles <laughs> i know um into the reverse of the conversation we had earlier when joker's looking yes. for batman where does he look well
1: what building is broken down and has a lot of gargoyles yeah. <laughs> just why don't we start there yeah just put a camera in all those buildings with motion sensors i'm sure you're going to find batman yep
0: <laughs> and you know a gotham i think doing that too <laughs> often makes gotham feel really small where i mean you can you you've got all of this space in all in this city to explore places that you can put batman in and just to, yeah. to come back to keep doing on a gargoyle doesn't you know it's kind of kind of stock yeah exactly uh, it's funny
1: um you're talking about jp um i love his stuff He's one of my top top 10 artists mm. for sure but i always feel like his gotham looks like new york chicago it looks too real for me yeah um like i it's amazing because he's he's got a he draws batman in chinatown he's got to draw a bunch of chinese signs and stuff oh yeah down right i mean that's that's a pain in the fucking ass like good for him but I will say I sort of prefer to select Batman's backgrounds based more on what compliments him, yeah. not necessarily what would actually be real. Uh, so I, I try to tone down signage. Um, I try to stay away from real-world recognizable places. Um, it's it's kind of a fine line, I guess. I don't know how you feel about that stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think it's you know I think it's all on your on your, in your in your depiction of the character too, because like John Paul's. Uh, Batman is generally very realistic looking and so putting him in a realistic setting makes a lot of sense um, whereas I think putting your Batman who's a little bit more exaggerated in a straight up New York style city might not be as natural Right. Um, and like uh, you know just speaking about the Victorian thing there's a great uh, Bill Sienkiewicz piece that's just like it's just Batman kind of crouched on top of a a, a like a, a really ele- r- ridiculously long piece of like chimney mm. that's kind of like twisted and stuff and he's just perched on top of it and that's kind of it and it works yeah. it works perfectly because it's got that sort of like brick um, yeah. Victorian kind of look and he's got this other thing that he did that I don't think it ever came out um, where there's this beautiful page of Batman like jumping in front of this like it looks almost like a uh an Italian cathedral, not like a regular kind of Gothic cathedral, but like one from like the Vatican or something like a big, giant, beautiful cathedral. Right. And that stuff works really well too. Um, So yeah, I think it's all, I think you're right. I think it's the, the way a combination of your style of Batman and the background that complements that, that style to the character.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I tend to like a, a Gotham. That's more the impression of a city rather than a specific Right. city location like oh I've been at that shop I know where that is like I, I know a lot of people like that stuff but I find that kind of distracting if you could sort of you know f- make it f- a little foggier and vague about the city itself and leave it more impressionistic and let the reader imprint what they want to see on right. it it's not only for me it's not only a time saver but I think it looks cooler and yeah I, I don't know I guess it's it's interesting like when you talk about how different people draw Batman in comics I just think about how they draw Gotham I mean, mm. for me, how you draw Batman, eh, come on. I mean, it's it's. I guess it can be interesting, but for me, it's how do you draw him when there's shadows around? What does the alleyway look like? What does the police car look like? Right. Like, that That defines Batman, not the type of boots you give him, or the type of gloves. Like, that stuff's pretty shallow. I think that the real deep stuff has to do with the backgrounds in Gotham City itself.
0: Right, and I mean, this episode is a really good example of that because, you know, yeah. like you were saying, it, Batman's in the background, and there is a lot of batman against very specific kind of gotham uh landscapes and and imagery and the way that they they've definitely thought about that i mean i think we've talked about this before but they definitely put as much thought into gotham city as the, how they were going to depict gotham city as they did how they're going to depict, depict batman and exactly, made sure yeah. that they work sure. together
1: right yeah yeah, yeah that's true yeah, thanks for bringing us back to the episode, too. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> you never know where we're going to go with one of these. Like, I thought we pretty much talked ourselves out of any new subjects, but uh, we, we always seem to find something new. Yeah, I mean,
0: hopefully people are joyless, too. Anyway, um, uh, what, what would you, you said you're going to rate this one a five? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Did you say what you would draw? Oh. Uh, I mean, I feel like we probably covered that somewhere in I that I do trai- yeah. Train Yard.
1: Yeah. I think Train Yard is cool. I haven't drawn a train for a while, so... I do that. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I would give this one, I would give it a four. Um, yeah. I, I think my favorite thing about it is it very much feels like a pulpy Batman story, like an, an older style Batman story, because he's hmm. more of, you know, he's in the background. There's not any flashy gadgets going on. I, you know. Right. He only uses his grappling hook thing like once, I think. And even, at, there's a certain point where he actually hand ties his uh, rope to the side of the building before jumping down Uh, so (laughs) you're right it's very it's a very (laughs) low-tech batman and it's just a uh yeah uh organized crime story um Mm -hmm. it feels really pulpy really throwback and i i like it it's good yeah yeah great but yeah um i think that'll do it this time and next time we're going to be covering two-face part one and two so uh, definitely check that out. And if you would like to leave us a comment or a rating on iTunes, you can do that. Or if you want to send something at us on Twitter, we're at Batass Podcast. That's B-A-T-T-A-S-S Podcast. Or email us at uh, podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-T-T-A-S-S Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks, Sean. And uh, no, thank you, thanks, guys. Man. We'll catch you next time.